this hard stone. <laughs> no, just hold on. Hi there, how are you? <laughs> Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages. Welcome to Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I am Tony Visick. We are your daily reprieve from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. We come to you six days a week at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. The show is brought to you on three, count them, three uh, uh, platforms. And those three are ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, where you can simply listen in. Just kick back and stare up at the clouds, maybe chew on a piece of grass, and listen to uh, the tales we weave. Uh, you can watch on YouTube on the Comedy Skills channel. And of course, join us right here on Facebook Live, six days a week, 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. The uh, podcast is downloaded every day on uh, my Facebook page, Tony Visick, and also on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com for your future listening and viewing a pleasure. Uh, the show is built on uh, three tent poles. Or it's hung on three tent poles. I don't know if you build on a tent or if you hang on a tent. Um, there's a joke there somewhere, but I've been driving around in the desert all day and uh, my, my brain's a little dried up. Um, three things. It is uh, your questions and comments here on the aforementioned social media site. So please comment and question and we will comment and question back. Uh, also, uh, we sometimes have a knickknack or doodad or curiosity or memento or uh, autograph or book or periodical that we share with you and try to weave a personal story around. And in the last half of the show, we recommend one artist or piece of music from our vast vinyl album and compact disc collection. Sunday afternoon, uh, watch the news a little bit this morning. Uh, not a lot, just a little bit before I switched over to uh, The Thin Man, starring William Powell and Myrna Loy, 1934. Uh, one of the greatest uh, caper movies ever made. The greatest screen couplings ever filmed. Uh, William Powell and Myrna Loy. Hard to believe that they weren't actually a real boyfriend, girlfriend in real life. Uh, if you are, uh, even now, uh, a show like Heart to Heart is age ancient. No, it will not be Jerry Vale today, Joe, but uh, along those similar lines. Joe Gannon is asking us, what artists will be recommending today, but it will not be the aforementioned um, more of a belter than a crooner, Jerry Vale. Um, if you ever saw Heart to Heart with Stephanie Powers and uh, Robert Wagner, um, that was kind of based on kind of based on uh, the Thin Man. The Thin Man, of course, originally written by a novel written by uh, the uh, one of my writing mentors although he didn't know it because he was dead by the time I started writing Dashiell Hammett. Um, I was watching that caper as he figured that out as we are following all the uh, capers going on uh, in courtrooms across the land today. You know, you got to have a pretty bad case to have law firms going, yeah, taking that. Now, I switch over to Fox News for a little bit and listen to the one-time respected Maria Bartolomo, the money honey, as she was called on CNBC. Um... One of the first women to be on the floor as a reporter on the New York Stock Exchange, now a, um, a Fox News uh, face. Um, and she was claiming to uh, someone that uh, law firms were being threatened not to take these cases 
because if they did, they wouldn't get any of the good stuff later on. And you know what? We know that that's hoo-ha. I've never met a lawyer in my life who didn't respond to a threat by rising up, raising his eyebrows, looking at his wallet and go, this is going to be some money fun. So um, it's just a little embarrassing right now to uh, watch the news and see what's going on with these constant ridiculous court cases with uh, rivers of uh, what looks like uh, movie blood pouring uh, out of Rudy Giuliani's ears, knowing that while all of uh, these problems are going on as the pandemic is raging and the G20 is meeting, um, that Donald Trump was out of playing golf. Um, you know, he's claiming that um, he's claiming that there was cheating in the election. The only place I'm sure there was cheating yesterday was on whatever golf course he was on because he's well he's a well-known golf cheater. So um, anyway, I don't want to you know belabor that a lot today. I had a pretty wild day today. I'll be putting up pictures right after the show. Um, Shirley and I, like if you live in Los Angeles or New York or even in St. Louis or any major city and you come out to where Shirley and I live, you go, wow, this is out in the middle of nowhere. It's not the middle of nowhere. It's the edge of nowhere. Uh, Maricopa, Arizona. But we like it out here. We like it a lot. But by our standards... Shirley and I's standards, uh, it's just a little too crowded. When I first came out here, it was 5,000 people. Sure, I knew the town was going to grow. Now there's 60,000. And as much as I love the town and the people and the church and all the steeples, um, it's kind of crowded. And so every once in a while, we just hightail it out to the desert. We hightail it out in the desert looking for property where maybe we could build a house or even put a fifth wheel and a, put a lean-to, you know, Maybe raise some onions. <laughs> Start a little onion farm, stand by the side of the road, and, you know, in, <laughs> in overalls and straw hats. Onions for sale. Fresh onions. Something like that. Maybe a garlic farm. Something like that. Maybe a Lindberger cheese processing plant. I don't know. You know, meth lab. Who knows? Um, so we went out looking around. Uh, we went deep into the desert. Ended off on the, finally ended up off on a road uh, called Half Moon Road. A dirt road. And off in the distance, you're going to like this. Off in the distance, we saw a big Exxon Mobil sign. And Shirley goes, they got a gas station out here. And I said, that's why would they have a gas station that far off the road? And so we're driving down this dirt road a little bit because I said, I thought I saw on a map some property for sale down this road because I've, I've been a gander at maps of the desert looking for property. Um, and I see a sign and it says... It says uh, Dwarf Car Museum. Dwarf Car Museum. And I go, what the hell? So we're on a dirt road. We make a right on this dirt road, kind of wheel around. And we come upon one of those places where there's a couple of large buildings that look like could be garages, uh, a, a modular home on the other side of it, and a bunch of old cars sitting out front. And we kind of drive around and look around. Some beat up old ancient antique gas pumps dusty desert we come around and Shirley goes this kind of place where they like kill people and they go, I don't know she goes I bet you they make movies out here I go I bet they do they either make movies or kill people what else are you going to do in the desert except make movies and kill people that's what I say so uh, as we're coming around this older fella tall lanky guy in his late 70s early 80s pretty nice set of choppers so I knew they weren't real comes out and goes how you doing and I go what do you got and I kind of looked in the door and the, uh, the bay doors, and I saw these little cars, old cars. 
And this guy, his name is Ernie. And Ernie has a dwarf car museum. And I said, I got to be honest with you, Ernie, when we first pulled up, we weren't sure if it was little cars or a bunch of little people. If all of a sudden there's going to be some little car, just a whole bunch of dwarfs are going to come flying out at us. And uh, we went inside and he has the world's largest dwarf car collection. He builds 1940s and 1950s cars to scale tiny. Now I'll be putting up a few pictures on the Facebook page right after the show. And it turns out that Jay Leno had actually gone out there and, and had done a show out there. But that's what's fascinating about the desert. When you get deep in the desert and you meet people out in the desert, they have really followed their own path. And Ernie, out of the Dwarf Car Museum, had really followed his own path. And it was a museum, an antique place, nothing was for sale. Just incredible stuff, dwarf cars and rows and rows and rows of old-timey kids' toys, all very neat. And Ernie and his oldest son, Richard, that's how you introduce him, goes, I'm Ernie's oldest boy, I'm Richard. We're sitting there, and uh, we talked all things Jay Leno and the economy and whatnot, just kind of place where all of a sudden you find yourself sitting in a chair, kicking back and talking. The Dwarf Car Museum on Half Moon Road, somewhere in the desert outside of Maricopa, Arizona. There's a couple of places like that out this way. There's a place called Raceway, which is a bar, but a bar with all with a big uh, outdoor area too, with you know like hubcaps and signs and stuff tacked up all over the place. Where uh, the guys from um, not this old house. What's the name of that? Uh, that uh, uh, Shirley. What's the name of that um, that uh, reality show where the guys go out and bargain in antique places? Maybe out there know what I'm talking about where they go out in the middle of nowhere and find junk that's worth a million dollars. One guy's tall and thin, and one guy's short and a little heavy set. Something junk. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, 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 T- TV has come out to the American desert many times. Hey, Kimberly Duncan, how are you? Hello, Aaron. Hello, everybody. Hello, Joe Gannon. Hello, Tina and Mike Lawson. Uh, we've got a lot of the, um, the uh, Living on a Thin Line family uh, gathering up right now. So you go deep in the desert. American Pickers, thank you very much. American Pickers, that was brought to us by DJ Payne. Thank you, DJ. And Joe Gannon. Yes, Joe Gannon said American Pickers. So American Pickers have been out the raceway where we've had hamburgers, and now we found the Dwarf Car Museum on Hidden Valley Road, a dirt road out kind of where finally the, uh, the desert meets Interstate 8, but in the interior. So it was pretty fascinating. Uh, Shirley and I are looking for acreage out here. We're going to get ourselves some property further out, further out. It's getting a little too, it's getting a little too crowded here in Maricopa for us. So that's how we spent our day, uh, which is a much better way, I think, to spend my day. I watched The Thin Man from 1934 and then visited a dwarf car museum where a man was uh, owned it who probably was born around that time. So it was real good old timey America that we were involved with uh, today. Hey, we want to thank uh, George Cantor for uh, headlining J.P.'s Comedy Club all weekend. JPscomedyclub.com, 860 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona. If you're looking for a good time in the greater Gilbert area, and that includes all of Arizona, because all of Arizona is really just greater Gilbert, uh, always check out J.P.'s Comedy Club. Go to JPscomedyclub.com, where uh, there are great shows every weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, Great workshops there Monday and Tuesday. Open mic nights. 
A small place, only 100 seats right now, only seating 50 or less. Safe social distance seating, plenty of masks, plenty of hand sanitizer. So if you have uh, this need, if you have this need to uh, get out and see people, and uh, Shirley and I weren't so much wanting to see people today as we just went to see desert, but we met some amazing people. Uh, JP's is the place for you. DJ Payne says, I slept in. And then watch the guy whose rookie card that I have that's worth about $500 break his leg and go out for the season. $500 now worth about $50 for the year. I imagine DJ Payne is talking about uh, fantasy football. And uh, what um, and DJ Payne, DJ Payne also is a hardcore card collector. Not like the Ace of Spades or, you know, the Three of Clubs. He doesn't collect those. Um, but collects... Uh, Basketball, baseball, football, Pokemon cards. Uh, yeah, that's true. He's a grown man. Of course, I just ran into a grown man out in the desert who's in his 80s who builds dwarf cars. So um, that's what America lets you do, ladies and gentlemen. Well into your gray-haired 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, you can build dwarf cars and collect baseball cards. Jer Joe Burrow broke his leg. Sad, sad day. Uh, we don't know who Joe Burrow is, but uh, we always feel brokenhearted for a broken leg. All right? We have a busted heart over his broken leg. Um, you get to do those kind of things. You know, so we know that things aren't terrible yet. We know things in America aren't terrible yet because there are still men building dwarf cars. And there's still men, grown men, collecting basketball and baseball cards. So things are okay. DJ Payne says, I want to go see those cars. Come on out, DJ. I'll take you out there. I'll introduce you to Ernie and Richard. You'd fit right in with those two, you know? Uh, we, uh, Shirley and I left after a while because we were afraid all of a sudden we could hear a, you know, and go, okay, we've overstayed our welcome. But I got some great photos from the Dwarf Car Museum, and I'll be putting them up later. So since that's kind of our theme today, I uh, want to talk to comics out there who went fortune and fame, and y'all do went fortune and fame. How long does it last? I don't know. This, in 1958, when I was three years old, with the biggest comedy duo in America. That was the biggest comedy duo in America, and that is none other than Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, when they were top box office draws, top nightclub draws, incredibly funny. Actually, no, I'll be, I'll be damned. Look at the uh, look at the uh, date. You can't make it out because it's backwards. You can make it up there. The date of this particular Life magazine. I don't know if I realized that when I bought it. Is August thirteenth, nineteen fifty seven, nineteen fifty one. August thirteenth, nineteen fifty one. Four years after this magazine came out, I was born. I was born. By the way, on the back, the great advertisement. For none other than Chesterfield cigarettes. So, uh, <laughs> uh, the biggest plus in cigarette history. No unpleasant aftertaste. Added to the world's most famous ABCs. Always milder, better tasting, cooler smoking. I prove the big plus, so can you. Rhonda Fleming. Rhonda Fleming, the great, uh, what'd she do? Did she roller skate? What the hell did she do? Ice Skate, Rhonda Fleming, the great ice skater movie star, was there uh, floating on a boat and advertising cigarettes. She had a cigarette right there in her hand. Uh, 
Chesterfield is the only cigarette of all brands tested in which members of our taste panel found no unpleasant aftertaste. Peggy Fleming? I think she's a chick who works over at the dollar store. Uh, see Rhonda Fleming co-storing a crosswinds, a Paramount picture, color by Technicolor. So they were, uh, they were cross-promoting uh, cross here. Uh, Joe Gannon said, didn't Chesterfield have an ad on the score, scoreboard at Sportsman's Park? I believe they did. I believe they did at Sportsman's Park, which was uh, the uh, stadium where both the St. Louis Cardinals and the St. Louis Browns uh, played baseball for many years. As long as you're going to mention it at Sportsman's Park, it's important to note that in 1944, there was what was known as the Streetcar Series took place at Sportsman's Park in St. Louis, Missouri, just a couple blocks from where the Fox Theater still stands. Uh, and it was the St. Louis Cardinals against the St. Louis Browns. It was the only World Series the St. Louis Browns were ever in. They were trounced in four. And that was just 10 years. That was about five or six years before. Uh, Peggy Fleming, ice skater. Don't argue with the producer. So who's Peggy Fleming? Peggy Fleming was the ice skater. Rhonda Fleming? Was an actress on Wagon Train and the Virginian. Rhonda Fleming was an actress on Wagon Train and the Virginian. Well, you know what? I'm going to take Wagon Train and the Virginian over any old ice skating any day of the week. All right? But anyway, Martin Lewis in 1951 were the biggest stars. And right now, when people talk comedy, when people talk comedy, when people talk about great artists, you know, a lot of time with young comics, they go, uh, who, do you think's, who do you think's good? And they'll mention uh, Bill Hicks, and they'll mention, you know, uh, Louis C.K., and they'll mention Bill Berg, and of course, everybody mentions Richard Pryor. You know, they don't mention the Rich Brothers from the 1930s. You know, they don't mention uh, Eddie Cantor from the 1920s. They don't mention Martin and Lewis. They don't mention them at all. Interesting side uh, note about Martin and Lewis Number one box office draws, number one comedy act in America in 1951. Uh, after they broke up a couple, a few short years after that, everybody was quite, sh quite sure that uh, Dean Martin would fade into obscurity and that Jerry Lewis would go on. And once again, proving something I keep telling comics all the time. The setup is the most important thing. Because time and time again, we see comedy duos break up. And we see that the guy who was the straight man goes on to have a longer career than the guy who was the funny guy. The setup is the most important at all, and no one was better at setting up Jerry Lewis and kind of reining in some of his antics than Dean Martin. Dean Martin, who went on, even after that, to have a stunningly legendary career as both a singer and actor and a television star with one of the most fun variety shows throughout the 60s that were, was ever produced. So when you think about Fame, when you think about fortune, remember all you got is the moment, all you got is the joke you're telling, all you got is the night you're performing, and that's it, and live in that moment. By the way, live in the moment, be in the moment, is a great piece of advice, unless you happen to have just caught on fire. All right, so um, let me reach down here, I'm reaching down. So kind of keeping with the theme I'm working today, uh, the album that we're going to, the artist that we're going to recommend is someone who, uh, when he started out, the album we're going to recommend, the song we're going to recommend, the artist going to recommend, when he started out was derided, made fun of, laughed at. As a matter of fact, I, uh, last night, Shirley goes, isn't Saturday Night Live on? And we flipped over, and it was a repeat from 2011, and we turned it on right when Eminem was uh, 
uh, doing uh, some tune with Rick Rubin. I kept going, that's Rick Rubin. She goes, why would you know that? And, uh, uh, I have no idea why, except Rick Rubin is one of the most important producers of uh, uh, the music that knocked rock music right off the radio. Uh, and that is a gangster rap, hardcore rap. Um, Eminem was uh, made fun of. Goofy, sing, silly, uh, ugly, uh, skinny, couldn't sing. What the hell is that? And the artists that we're going to uh, highlight today had the same, the exact same accusations and, and uh, derisive statements hurled at him early in his career. But somehow he persevered. Twice in his career, he was almost totally out of business. During World War II, he was much derided because he'd been found to be 4F. And then in the 1950s, he went completely broke and found himself almost completely gone. Once again, in the early 60s, he was completely broke. But rose back up, rose back up. And with this particular album, by the way, he started what surely became the final and very long chapter of a great career. Frank Sinatra, ladies and gentlemen, is who we're featuring today. This album is the album Strangers in the Night. So when this album came out, Frank Sinatra had not had a hit in the top 10 in years and years and years. This was put out on his own label, Reprise. Now, a couple times his career had almost gone nowhere. In the early 60s, uh, he was flat broke and still put together enough money to uh, help campaign for and put on a big giant fundraiser for one John F. Kennedy. In the mid-50s, it was almost completely over for him. And then the legends of how he ended up in, on the movie From Here to Eternity and was nominated for, I don't know if he got an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, turned his career around. Now, Ava Gardner, there is a, there is a, a rumor that a Ava Gardner actually went to the movie producers and said, get this guy a job, just get him the hell out of the house. Also, in the uh, 1940s, Mr. Sinatra was found to be 4F and did not serve in World War II and was derided by many servicemen, many who, when they came back, forgave him and listened to many of his classic hit records as they were being created in real time for their listening pleasure. Finally, in the 60s, as the 60s were happening, as the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan and rock music had completely dominated the airwaves, he began to look anachronistic. He began to look like someone who came from not just a different year, but a different century, a different planet, but blew back with incredible strength with Strangers in the Night, which came out, I believe, in 1966. The songs on Strangers in the Night were, of course, Strangers in the Night, which, weirdly enough, as the years have gone by, has become a um, cult gay classic. Strangers in the Night. Uh, great tune, nonetheless. Um, then, um, also on here, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. A lot of these were already... Re uh, Sinatra did a lot of songs that somebody else had already done. He did a lot of Cole Porter songs in the 50s that were written in the 30s and really reinvigorated them and then made them enduring classics. But uh, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, I believe, is a Rodgers and Hammerstein tune. Uh, yes, sir, that's my baby. Downtown, my baby just cares. On a clear day, you can see forever. These are all really common, common standards. You drive me crazy, call me. Another common standard of the time. Then the first three on side one. Strangers in the Night, 
Number three, all or nothing at all, and Summer Wind became enduring classics that when listened to today with an open mind and an open ear, opened you up to a whole world of music that either you forgot about or never knew of. A um, couple things from the liner notes here that might, you might get a kick out of by a guy named Stan Cornyn. I don't know who he was. Uh, if the electric guitar were disinvented tonight, a few thousand singers would be out of their amps, but not Sinatra. Um, let's see what Lewis Johnson said. Lewis Johnson says Qu Quincy Jones took LL Cool J to a Sinatra concert, and LL said that was true gangsta. Yeah, you know what, Lewis, you're absolutely right. It was true gangsta, and uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, he was the gangster. Um, Let's see, um, he's lasted. Most men would give away 20 years of life to be him or even have his memories, okay? Uh, what else is said great in here? Um, uh, anyway, the other cool thing to tell you about this album, the other cool thing to tell you about this album is who three of the session musicians were who were on Strangers in the Night, okay? Okay, and they were Hal Blaine on drums, Tommy Tuscadero on guitar, and Glenn Campbell on guitar. Are you hearing me, America? Glenn Campbell on guitar. Now, Tommy, Hale, and Glenn were a part of something that was given a name long after uh, it existed called the Wrecking Crew, a group of studio musicians who lived in Los Angeles, most of them in the San Fernando Valley and, and uh, those environs, who spent their days going around to the various uh, recording studios on Sunset and out in the valley in Hollywood, West Hollywood, out in the San Fernando Valley, and playing on people's songs, including the Beatles, including the Beach Boys. They did all the music on most of uh, the hit Beach Boy records, on so many other records. And, they, and I heard uh, an interview with Hal Blaine once. He goes, in the morning, we'd be doing a Sinatra record. In the afternoon, we'd be doing a Birds record. And then later on that evening, we'd be with Brian Wilson working on his record. So... When you start choosing what kind of music you like, when you start closing your mind off in that way, when you start closing your mind off as to what kind of music you like, what kind of books you like, what kind of television you like, what kind of people you like, remember that the greatest love them all. And that Glenn Campbell, who became famous as a country singer, played on some of the Birds' trippiest albums. And Frank Sinatra. So let's open our minds and open our hearts. Let's listen to today. Uh, we'll go with Summer Wind. Strangers in Night is too easy. We'll get Summer Wind. If you want to hear an incredible classic, if you want to hear something that perfectly fits Sunday, for years I used to uh, put up album covers and talk about Frank Sinatra under the title, If It's Sunday, It Must Be Sinatra. And we might return to that. But today, my gift to you on a lazy Sunday afternoon, and make it a lazy Sunday afternoon, is a Summer Wind. Okay? All right, and remember that, that sometime a few months from now, we'll all be relaxing at the beach at our backyard pools, or maybe just sitting on our porch or sitting at a friend's house, enjoying not only the songs of Sinatra, but a real summer wind, and we'll be able to breathe easy. All right, that's it for the day. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching. Watching. I'll see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. You've been watching Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye.